welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Eckelbarger. We're back with the Bickersons. This is the second of six full 30-minute episodes of The Bickersons, starring Francis Langford as Blanche Bickerson and Lou Partner as John Bickerson. Here now are The Bickersons in a show entitled The Mink Coat from June 12th, 1951. Philip Morris presents The Bickersons, starring Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Yourself. Yes, believe in yourself. Compare Philip Morris. Match Philip Morris. Judge Philip Morris against any other brand. Then decide for yourself which cigarette is milder, tastier, more enjoyable. Believe in yourself. And you'll believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. They fight, they yell, they squabble and squawk, but they love each other as much as any married couple in the world. That's Francis Langford and Lou Parker, stars of Philip Rapp's humorous creation, The Bickersons, produced and broadcast transcribed from Hollywood. And here is John Bickerson himself, Lou Parker. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Before we go any further, on behalf of Francis Langford and myself, courtesy demands that I thank you for your many kind letters regarding our first program. But in this matter, if you didn't send any, we'll dispense with that formality. <laughs> Instead, I'd like to take this opportunity to present my favorite actress and singer, lovely Frances Langford. Ladies and gentlemen, we mentioned on our first show that Francis would sing any number requested by a boy in the service. So if you're a G.I., drop us a line. Tonight we've chosen a letter from the first army man to come back from Korea, Corporal Thomas L. Alvarez, who's at the Wadsworth VA Hospital. And he'd like to hear on the sunny side of the street. Is that in your book, Francis? Right on page one. Good. So with the help of Tony Romano and his orchestra, this is for you, Tommy. your coat and get your hat, leave your worries on the doorstep, life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street, can't you hear that bit of pride and that happy tune is yourself, just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street, I Over, if I never have a say, 
Friends, in a moment, we'll have a look in at the Dickersons. But first, I'd like to have a word with the most important person in the world when it comes to choosing a cigarette. That person, of course, is you. We of Philip Morris believe that no one's taste is more important to you than your taste. No one's judgment is more important to you than your judgment. That's why we ask you to believe in yourself. That's why, unlike others, we of Philip Morris never ask you to test our brand alone. That's no test, because it gives you no choice. We say compare Philip Morris, match Philip Morris, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Then make your own choice according to your own taste, your own judgment. In short, believe in yourself. Later you'll hear an interview with an actual smoker, not an actor, not a paid performer, but a real person who will make the only fair cigarette test, the Philip Morris nose test. I know you'll be interested, so stay with us, won't you? Now light up a Philip Morris, and let's join Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. The Bickersons are at the breakfast table. Adhering to the belief that it's wise to start the day with a substantial meal, they sat too diligently at the groaning board. Blanche is groaning and John is bored. John, you're not listening. Hmm? I've been talking to you for five minutes and you haven't heard a word I said. Have too. What did I say? You said, John, you're not listening. I mean, before that. I wasn't listening before that. What? I'm sorry, Blanche. i got to finish these sales reports. What did you say? Well, for your information, Lorraine White's husband got her a new Cadillac last week. Good. And Elsie Block is on her third mink. Well, her husband's a butcher. They can afford to eat mink and wear steak. <laughs> Why aren't you a butcher? What butcher? You just didn't have enough brains to see the beef boom coming. Now, listen, Blanche, I don't know what you've got on your mind this morning, but I haven't got time for it. Well, I'm just sick of going around dressed like a pauper. Wherever I go, all the women point at me and say, there goes Bickerson's wife. Look how she's dressed. For heaven's sakes, look how I'm dressed and I'm Bickerson. <laughs> Forget about mink coats, Blanche. We can't afford it. Where's my hat? You're wearing it. Where are you rushing? You've still got 15 minutes and you haven't eaten a thing. I haven't time. I'll eat out. Why don't you eat at home? I'm not hungry now. Save it for my supper tonight. It won't keep. I saved it from your supper last night. <laughs> I'm not going to throw away perfectly good food. Well, then give it to the cat. You hate that cat, don't you? Blanche, <laughs> please, I'll be late. Where's my vacuum cleaner? You're wearing it. Must you carry that hose around your neck? I only have two hands. Open the door. Here, take the orange juice squeezer with you. Is that thing broken again? Cost me $6 to have it fixed last week. Well, they didn't do a good job. The first time I used it, an onion got caught in the motor. Why don't you fix it? I'll fix it tonight. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on, take off that vacuum cleaner and fix the orange juices. Blanche, I gotta go to work. I can't be fixing orange juices. Well, you've been screaming about saving money. All right, I might as well. I don't make six dollars a day. Give it to me. The tools are in the bread box. Hello, Mrs. Pickerson. Here's your fur coat. I put a new label in. Nobody noticed it. Keep your voice down. My husband's still here. Oh. Well, I'll bring it back later, huh? No. No. Please, Mr. Strom, I can't afford it. 
You'll have to give me my money back. Money back? I already changed the label and dyed the collar. I can't help it. I have to have the money back, please. Why? Just a minute, John. Listen, Mr. Strom, take the money over to Barney's house and leave it there. I'll do business with you some other time. Who is that at the door? No, I told him we didn't want any. Did you fix the orange juicer? I fixed it. How could you fix it? Needed a new motor. I hooked it up to the vacuum cleaner. Does it work? It works fine. Except it sucks up the juice and spits the pits in your face. <laughs> so long, Blanche. Well, why did you make me rush all the way over here? What's so important that you couldn't have told me over the phone? Barney's friend, Mr. Stern, was here. You know, the furrier. Oh, good. Pass the ketchup. Did he leave the money? No. Well, what did he leave? He left town. Oh, Barney. Don't worry, I got the coat. But I don't want the coat. I can't afford to keep it. Barney, you've got to get that money back. It's John's insurance money. So what? He's good for years yet. More of them goat ribs, Clara. Stop eating so much and help me figure out a way to get that money back. The best way is to ask John for it. He hasn't got it. He hasn't got it. Well, he'll get it. There's always money for an emergency. What emergency? What emergency? Barney, go into your den. I want to talk to Blanche alone. Secret. Every time they got secrets, I have to go sit in my den. <laughs> Give me some of that rutabaga pudding. Thanks. Goodbye. It's very simple, Blanche. John's so assault-hearted. Tell him that Mother's sick and you have to go visit her. But I don't want to go all the way to Omaha. You don't go to Omaha. You get the fare from John and come stay with us for a few days. Well, if you really have to go, Blanche, if your mother is that sick, I'll make the sacrifice and let you go. But I'm going to miss you terribly. What are you smiling at? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I was just thinking of a funny thing one of my customers Never mind. Said... Where's the fare? It's in the sugar bowl. I was saving it for my insurance. But don't touch that. What? Get away from that bowl, John. What's wrong? Well, something terrible would happen if I used that money. Huh? It's bad luck. Everybody knows it's bad luck to give insurance money to a wife to use for fare to visit a sick mother. I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> All right, I won't go. Wait a minute. If you're so superstitious, I'll withdraw the money from our Christmas fund savings. Well, fine. I'll pick up the train ticket at the same time well, you... you can't do that. Why not? It's no trouble. It isn't bad. It's bad luck. Everything's bad luck. What do you want me to do? Well, you've got to give me the cash right now and let me buy the ticket myself. Well, the only money I've got on me is the vacuum cleaner installments I collected today. Now, that's good luck. Here are the groceries, Mr. Biggerson. He's Mrs. Biggerson in a way. He's been gone three days. Her mother's been sick. Put that stuff in the kitchen. It weighs the kitchen. Right behind that stack of dirty dishes in the doorway. <laughs> Watch your step. Hey, maybe you'd like my wife to clean up for you while Mrs. Pickerson is gone. My wife is a fine housekeeper. I'll manage. For a couple of dollars, she would clean up that big pile of dirty laundry. That's my bed. <laughs> you got any matches? I've used up a whole box trying to light this stove. Thanks. I'll handle it now. Let's see, where are the eggs? Here. What are you staring at? Lots of people like to fry eggs in their coffee. Sure. What do you mean, sure? You think you can do better? I think so. If you like, I make you anything you like. All I want is an omelet. 
You mean just plain omelet? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now you chop up this onion while I melt the cheese and open up some beans. Plain omelet. <laughs> Here's the chopped onion. You didn't peel it. I never peel it. It spoils the vitamins. <laughs> Why is there a mushroom-shaped cloud coming out of that pan? The top fell off of the chili powder. <laughs> I'll stir in some cornstarch. You want me to slap the eggs in? Oh, you don't need the eggs. Huh? Spoils the taste. <laughs> Get a plate, Mr. Biggers, and she's ready now. Plain omelet. Yeah. Thanks very much. Here's a half a buck for your trouble. Oh, thank you. First time I ever saw a dish like this. First time I ever made it. Hello? This is the long distance operator. Are you the party who pays the call to Omaha? Yes. Well, the number still doesn't answer. We'll keep trying and call you back. Thank you. Hello, Clara. How was the movie? No good. Barney's staying it over. Wish I hadn't gone. Did you give little Ernie a bath? No. Listen, Clara, I don't see why a 14-year-old kid can't bathe himself. <laughs> What's the matter with you, Blanche? You've been on Ed for two days. Sick of this. Barney engineered the deal with the coat. You made me lie to my husband. Now, don't blame Barney. He's putting himself out plenty to make you comfortable here. Comfortable? You've been using me for a scrub woman and a nursemaid and a laundress... And on top of it all, I have to sleep in the bathtub. I'd rather go home and take the consequences. You make it sound like I'm getting some gain out of it, Blanche. After all, who's going to get the pleasure of the mink coat? You or me? I am. So if you don't mind, I wish you'd take it off and let me get out of here. <laughs> Well, sooner or later, the truth will out for poor Blanche Dickerson. Right now, we invite you to hear the truth on a more serious matter. You'll hear it not from an actor, not from a paid performer, but from a real person. From a smoker who was interviewed by our roving reporter at the entrance to Central Park on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Let's listen. Hello there. This is Jay Jackson. While we've been arranging our microphones here at the entrance to Central Park on Fifth Avenue in New York City, my assistant has located a volunteer to take the Philip Morris nose test. We all set, Frank? All set, Jay. Jay, I'd like you to meet Miss Marilyn Joffe from Bronx, New York. Miss Joffe is not a Philip Morris smoker. Thank you, Frank. And how do you do, Miss Joffe? How do you do? About this test, let me ask you one favor. For obvious reasons, please don't refer to your present cigarette by its brand name, okay? All right. All right, Miss Joffe. Now, let me offer you a Philip Morris cigarette. We are. Do you happen to have one of your own brand handy? Fine. Now, which of the two cigarettes would you prefer to light first, Miss Jaffe? It makes no difference. Philip Morris. Philip Morris first. All right, let me light it for you. Then I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. And let the smoke come slowly through your nose. That's the idea, and that was the Philip Morris first, right? Now, Miss Jaffe, let's try exactly the same thing with one of your own cigarettes. I notice that's also one of the leading brands. I'll light it for you. I want you to take a puff. Do not inhale. And let the smoke come slowly through your nose. That's the idea. Now, Miss Joffe, you've tried exactly the same test with both cigarettes. The Philip Morris first, and then your own brand, right? Right. Tell me, please, what difference, if any, did you notice between the two cigarettes? Oh, uh, the Philip Morris is milder. You found that the Philip Morris was milder. Mm -hmm. 
Miss Joppy, you've just confirmed the judgment of thousands of other smokers who have also found that Philip Morris is milder. Thank you so much, Miss Joppy. Remember this. The test you just heard is entirely voluntary. and No promise of any kind, no payment whatsoever is made for any statement in the interview. Friends, the Philip Morris nose test is the only fair test, for it allows you to compare, match, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Yes, try this test. Believe in yourself. And you, too, will believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. Now, back to Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Dickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. Well, Blanche is back in her own bed again. It's three o'clock in the morning, but tortured by guilt. Mrs. Dickerson lies tense and awake in the darkness as poor husband John suffers through another attack of undulant insomnia or blaster's reflex. Listen. with a one-man band. <laughs> John! Hmm? Turn over on your side. Go on. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it, Blanche. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? I'm going out of my mind. Haven't you caused me enough trouble for one night? What trouble? What's the matter, Blanche? Why didn't you let me in when I came home from Mother's tonight? I knocked on the door till my knuckles were blue. I didn't hear you. You didn't want to hear me. Stood out there in the hall, completely exhausted. Fell asleep twice. What other man would let his wife sleep in the hall, John? John Hall. <laughs> You'd better not be so funny, Mr. Dickerson. Blanche, I'm not being funny. I'm just sleepy, that's all. I finally had to wake the janitor to let me in. Was never so embarrassed in all my life. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Oh, no? He opened the letterbox to look for the extra key and found this pint of bourbon. Give me that. What was it doing in the letterbox, John? That's my dividend. I belong to the Bottle of the Month Club. <laughs> That's why we never have any money. You squander every penny on bourbon. I don't squander anything on bourbon. Not much. The whole house is full of empty bottles. Where did they come from if you didn't buy them? I never bought an empty bottle in my life, and you know it. <laughs> why don't you get rid of them? Answer me, John. Why are you so attached to a lot of dead bourbon bottles? I was with them when they passed away. <laughs> You spent a few days with your mother and you had a good rest. Now you come home and you're twice as jumpy. Well, I can't help it. You act like you hate me. Blanche, darling, I don't hate you. Are you sorry I came home? You know I am. What? I mean, no. <laughs> did you miss me? Yes. I don't believe it. You never missed me for a minute. I tell you, I did. Well, say it. I missed you for a minute. <laughs> Please put out the lights and let me get some sleep. Nobody knows how I suffer. Take a long trip to Omaha and come home to have you scream at me. I'm not screaming. You might at least ask me how I enjoyed my trip. I'll ask in the morning. You knew my mother wasn't feeling too well. Wouldn't hurt for you to ask how she is. How is she? What do you care? I don't. I'm just trying to be polite. Well, you needn't try. I'm fully aware of how much you despise my family, and they feel the same way about you. Is that so? Yes, it is. In all the years we've been married, you've never cared about a single member of my family. How can you say that, Blanche? Not a day goes by that I don't inquire the state of your rich uncle's health. 
I don't like the way you inquire. What do you mean? It isn't nice to keep asking, is the old goat dead yet? Blanche, I just wish you'd let me sleep for one night without disturbing. I didn't disturb you for a whole week, did I? Three days. All right, three days. I just hate to think of what you've done to this place since I've been gone. Suppose you left a stack of dirty dishes in the sink. No dishes. Were the animals fed regularly? Every day. Did you put fresh sand in the cat's bed? Mmm. The water in the goldfish bowl should have been changed on Sunday. I changed it. I cleaned up everything. How's the canary? I don't know. I haven't seen him since I vacuumed his cage. <laughs> no, don't blow your top. The canary's fine. Did you give him his bath? I gave him his bath. I powdered his tail and I plucked his eyebrows. What do you want from me, man? Where's Nature Boy? Who's Nature Boy? The cat. Did you let him out tonight? No. Why not? He never came in. <laughs> Listen, Blanche, I knocked myself out working all day, then come home and have to play nursemaid to a broken-down canary in an alley cat. He's a beautiful cat, and I love him. I hate him. Well, you wouldn't feel that way if you got a little friendly with him. It's easy to make up to a cat. Mm. Why don't you bring him something to play with? I'll bring him a dog in the morning. <laughs> Good night. What was that? What was what? There's a mouse in the room, John. There's no mouse. I swear I heard a mouse squeak. Well, what do you want me to do? Get up and oil it? <laughs> oh, it's the cat. Poor thing looks half starved since I've been away. He ate more than I did. <laughs> Go to sleep, Blanche. Suppose I'll have to get some groceries tomorrow. Are there any eggs for breakfast? No. Then you'll have to eat out. I don't care. I've been doing it all week. Well, don't blame me. I worked for three hours before I left to bake you a lovely rhubarb pie. I'll bet you didn't even touch it. It didn't look good. What was the matter with it? Whoever heard of a pie two feet long? <laughs> well, I couldn't get any shorter rhubarb. <laughs> I can't understand why you didn't eat home. I left enough food for a week. Mm. I cooked a whole bathtub full of rice. What happened to it? I took a bath in it. <laughs> Why didn't you eat it? I've told you a million times I can't stand the sight of rice. Why not? Because it's connected with one of the saddest mistakes of my life. All right, John Dickerson. Just for that, I'll never do another thing for you. No more cooking. Good. No more laundry. Wonderful. Maybe you won't be so smug if you don't get a clean tablecloth. I can eat without a tablecloth. I'm not talking about eating. What do you mean? What do you think you've been sleeping on? What? What happened to the bedsheets? Why do I have to sleep on a tablecloth? Well, it was too soiled to use on the table, but not dirty enough to go to the laundry. Listen to me, Blanche. I work hard for a living, and I want to sleep on a bedsheet. Well, I work hard, too. It's about time you got me a maid. You had a maid. Yes, but how long was she with us? She was never with us. She was against us from the start. Well, she was no good anyway. She never swept behind the door. She did, too. She swept everything behind the door. I can't afford to hire any maid, and you know it. Put out the lights and let me get some sleep. I can just hear you raising your voice to Gloria Gooseby. Now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. Believe me, if you were around her for a little while, you'd cool off in a hurry. I've been around her for hours, and I never cool off. <laughs> what? I mean, I don't have anything to do with it. Now, why does she keep staring at you like she's hypnotized? She doesn't stare. It's just that she wears those outlandish dresses, and they bring out her eyes. They bring out yours, too. <laughs> now, listen to me, Blanche. Oh, hush up and go to sleep. Go to sleep, she says. Put sand in my rhubarb. Gives me rice baths. Gloria Gusty. My head is splitting. I'll never sleep another wink as long as I... 
John. Hmm. The telephone. Answer it. Hello. Go to the phone and answer. <laughs> it must be four o'clock in the Oh, oh. Put on the light. The lights are on. Take off your sleep shade. Hello. We're ready now on your call to Omaha. What call to Omaha? You better give it to me, John. Here is your party. Let go, Blanche. I'm not going to be charged for a call to Omaha that I didn't make. Operator. Hello? Is that you, John? What's wrong with Blanche? Nothing's wrong with Blanche, Mother. Why? Give me the phone. In a minute. Hello? John, you're keeping something from me. Why did Blanche try to call me from Clara's house? From Clara's? Give it to me, John, before it's too late. Let go. I tell you, there's nothing wrong with Blanche. She's fine. Then why doesn't she ever come to visit me? It's been two years since I've seen her. Two years, huh? <laughs> Just a minute, Mother. I'll put Blanche on. Never mind. It's too late. Go on, Blanche. The least you can do is talk to your poor sick mother that you haven't seen in two years. Get on the phone. Hello? What's wrong, Blanche? He been beating you? Not yet. What? Nothing, Mother. I was all... It was all a mistake. I'll call you back in the morning. But, Blanche... I've got to hang up now, Mother. Something's burning. In the middle of the night, what could be burning? Me. Bye, Mother. Better start talking, Blanche. Why did you tell me you were going to Omaha? Now, don't get angry. Where's the money I gave you for fair? Fair? Yes, fair. Where's the money? I haven't got it. What have you done with the money, Blanche? Sit up, John. I bought a mink coat. A mink coat? How much was it? Lie down, John. <laughs> Blanche, how dare you go out and spend money on a mink coat? We can't afford a mink coat. Don't scream at me. I deny myself everything. I've been nailing rubber heels on my socks to save on shoes. <laughs> Last week, I hocked my fillings to pay the dentist bill. I never spend a penny on myself. And she has to have a mink coat. You bought a tie last week. It wasn't a tie. It was a rope to hold my jacket together. <laughs> Where's the coat? Let me see it. Oh, you love it, John. It's not nearly as expensive as you think, either. Barney said it was a steal. Barney? Oh, that chisel. Here. Isn't it gorgeous? Well, take it out of that burlap bag. Isn't that any bag? That's the coat. <laughs> what kind of a coat is that? It hasn't got any fur on it. That's the latest style, silly. Bald mink. Bald mink? <laughs> How can you squander my good money for a bald mink? It's nice and cool for summer wear. Look at the lovely cut. Aren't the pockets roomy? They won't even hold a quart. <laughs> Take that coat back, do you hear me? I'm not going into debt for any bald-headed minks. Oh, John, how can you be so cruel? Take it back. Please, John. No. Please. Oh, what's the use? I love you, John. You're the most generous and wonderful husband in the world. Go to sleep, Blanche. Can I keep the coat, John? How oh, I slave and sweat to keep body and soul together. Deprive myself of every tiny luxury to make both ends meet. It isn't worth it. In one fell swoop, she squanders two years' savings. What's a man got to live for? I wish I had the courage to... I think I will. Nobody cares about me anyway. One shot and I'll find peace. John! Ah... <laughs> oh. Bourbon. Good night, Blanche. Good night, John. 
Frankfurt and New Parker are standing by for a curtain call. In the meantime, for America's finest cigarette, here's another call well worth remembering. Remember, Philip Morris is definitely less irritating, definitely milder than any other leading brand. Remember, no cigarette hangover means more smoking pleasure. So... And now, here are John and Blanche Dickerson as Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Well, Lou, have you got anything to say? Let me sleep, will you, Patrick? <laughs> He's still John Dickerson. Good night, everybody. Good night. Be sure to listen next Tuesday night when Philip Morris again will present the Dickersons. And don't miss the Philip Morris Playhouse this coming Thursday night over this same station when Philip Morris will present Miss Rosalind Russell starring in True Confessions. That's Thursday night for the Philip Morris Playhouse over CBS. In the meantime, don't forget to... Transcribed from Hollywood, California. John Holbrook speaking. Isn't it strange to hear cigarette ads? They were really quite common on TV and radio before TV until 1970 when they were banned by Congress. Even though I've never been a smoker, I still find them strangely entertaining, especially the ads for camel cigarettes, which we will eventually hear where they say more doctors smoke camel than any other cigarette. So they used doctors to sell their cigarettes, which, uh, I don't know, like I said, strangely entertaining. Please send your questions and comments to host at classiccomedyotr.com. Come back next Monday for another episode of The Bickersons and check in on Wednesday for the next installment of The Bob Hope Show. I do have a message from a listener named Alan. He listens on YouTube. Our episodes are posted on YouTube as well, even though they're not video, they are audio, but they are out there. And Alan commented on our last episode of the life of Riley. He said, I'm sorry that you are going through some difficult times. Don't feel a bit bad for not posting in a while. Thank you for helping to keep OTR alive and for posting. Well, thank you, Alan, for listening and for your kind remarks. And uh, I shall endeavor to keep on posting as long as I can. And if I do miss some, I won't feel bad about it. Well, until we meet again, in the words of Chief Joseph, it does not require many words to speak the truth.